Hello and welcome to the Thriving Three Counties podcast with me, Dan Barker. Conversations with inspiring business people throughout the three counties of Herefordshire, Worcestershire and Gloucestershire. And now it's time for today's episode. I hope you enjoy the show. Okay, hello and welcome to this episode of the Thriving Three Counties podcast. I'm Dan Barker and I'm here in the studio with today's guest. She runs a PR and communications agency in Worcester. She has a background in music, which we'll come to talk about. And uh, she's a mum and very good businesswoman from what I can tell. And uh, her name is Liz Laidler. Hi Liz, how are you doing? Hi Dan, all good, thank you. Good, good. Um, should I have said Liz or Elizabeth? Liz is fine, thanks. <laughs> right, Excellent. Okay, great. Well, thanks very much for coming in. And first of all, uh, your website is encore-communications.co.uk. It is, yep. Okay, if people want to go and uh, check out your work, first of all. Um, excellent, cool. Well, we were just saying we, we finally met for the first time. <laughs> we, <laughs> we almost met at one point at a, a Chamber of Commerce thing and, uh, I don't know, I was late and you had to go and... <laughs> right before lockdown one, yeah. Yeah, yeah, back in the day. <laughs> cool. Um, right, well, I, I know a little bit about your, your, your business and what you do and everything. We'll come to a bit of that a bit later. I've been interested reading your bio. I didn't know about your musical background and all of that, so we'll talk about that a bit no, as well. career one, yes. Yeah, career one, career 1.0. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Um, but yeah, are you, are you from Worcester originally? I'm from Stourbridge, okay. so on the right. borders. Used okay. to be Worcestershire, olden days, now it's in Dudley. So. Okay. <laughs> okay, and you grew up there and um, yeah. cool. Yeah, so I was in, grew up, lived and educated in Stourbridge, um, went to Cardiff for university, then down to London, uh-huh. and then came back up to the Midlands. Um, for family reasons, and lived in Kidderminster, and now finally moved back out to Worcester, which is where my husband wanted to move in the first place, but okay. <laughs> he's finally won. <laughs> excellent, excellent. I found that uh, everyone that lives in Worcester seems to absolutely love Worcester. Yeah, You I fall do. into that category. I yeah. absolutely do love it. It's the best yeah. combination of city centre facilities and access to countryside and access to motorway network. It's great, and, yeah. and a great place to bring up kids who actually know that there's fields and animals and things. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can get out very quickly into lovely countryside yeah like where we are now <laughs> yeah 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 ah oh, cool excellent okay and um yeah we were you always into music then as a kid is that kind of how you got into studying music yeah and... i had free in those days you had there were free music free music lessons in school uh-huh, yeah, and so yeah. i had flute lessons in school and then started playing piano as well and then took to it i really enjoyed it obviously practiced a bit and had something a bit of talent in it yeah um so then when i got to i kind of had my grade eight on flute when i was by the time i was 12 and then went to the Birmingham conservatoire junior school my teacher said oh no you need to go for more training um so we looked at Guildhall down in london there's just no way that i was traveling down to london at that age and yeah, no one could sure. afford it to be completely honest with you <laughs> um and the Birmingham conservatoire opened a junior department actually that year so we auditioned and got in and got right, some funding okay. and had lessons there and then okay. pursued that. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be the next James Galway. Um, okay. Excellent. So you knew that from a young age. It was like... From 11 or 12. That's what yeah. I was, That was like number one thing I wanted to do, yeah. Oh, right. Okay. I'm always slightly envious of people that knew what they wanted to do when they were a kid. <laughs> <laughs> I just had no idea. I'm not sure it's that great a blessing, to be honest. It depends what it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I suppose so. I suppose. Okay, yeah. cool. So then from there, you, you were you good in school? Were you kind of... Um, you know, one of the good ones. I was the annoying straight A. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. SWAT, should we yeah. say? Let's, yeah, call, yeah. Just, let's just call it the SWAT that it was called. Yeah, it was me. <laughs> so and that's what I was saying about having the choice, you know, actually. People said, oh, you can do whatever you want to, you've got the complete choice. Yeah. And that was almost the worst thing. Right, Because, okay, like, well, what yeah. do you choose then? Yeah. No guidance, particularly, so, you know. But I was told to follow what you love, and I'm, gl- I'm glad I did that. Mm. I'm not sure it's the same advice I'd give now. Right, okay. Interestingly enough, so yeah. Why is that? Let's dig into that. I just think you need a bit more guidance about, you know, what do you want out of life and, you know, where, you know, what careers are there? You know, we, I was a, my dad was a teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, my mum was a librarian by training who, to use her quote, worked full-time for part-time pay um, right. <laughs> in various kind of jobs. <laughs> and we were just told, just get a degree, doesn't matter what it is. And, right. you know, just get, go off and do what you want to do. And actually some guidance on, 
I, did, I didn't know what careers existed. I had no idea about business development, about accounting, about legals, about mm -hmm. all the things in day-to-day -day businesses. I look back now and think, wow, actually, would you have made a different choice? Right, okay, okay. So, um, yeah. So kind of, you mean like giving kids an idea of what's possible, I suppose, yeah. and then and then getting them to choose rather than just simply yeah. what do you enjoy kind of thing. I think, that's, that's, I think that's a big thing. I think, you know, unless you come from a certain background, mm. you, only know, you, you only know who you've grown up with and who your family's friends are. Mm. You don't necessarily know what other options there are and what your skills or what your aptitudes are and what might be well suited. So I've got, for example, another friend who's a, who's a barrister now who... And he, the school he went to is little things like this. Oh, you, you know, excuse the language, but, you know, you're an argumentative little sod, come to the debating society, and, you know, <laughs> and they found that and they noticed it and they channeled it and they kind of put it into something productive. Right, okay, and I just yeah. think that's kind of what maybe is missing in, in some. It'd be nice to have a bit, a bit more guidance about that, I think, yeah, to, to help yeah. kids find what it is that's the right thing for them. Yeah, yeah. They're often those that sort of careers advice thing was often quite limited, I think, wasn't it, in terms of what the computer spat out. <laughs> yeah. It certainly was in my day. And I'm thinking, oh, I think my daughter now is six and thinks she's had more careers advice in just reception year than I think really? we had in our entire school career. <laughs> so that kind of you know, that's probably a little bit early, but um, you know, there's there's a there's a balance in there somewhere, I think. Yeah, yeah, okay. So do you kind of take that approach with your own kids then of sort of talking to them about where they might want to be and you know what or what's possible and a little bit i mean it's early days at the moment the eldest yeah. wants to be a doctor which is a lovely generic great crack on right. <laughs> <laughs> i'm not sure she knows exactly what kind of doctor or how feasible that would be um, yeah. but we just kind of encourage her with that and trying to kind of you know introducing us to lots of different people who've got lots of different backgrounds i mean she, she look at the school she the school she's at and her friends they've got a really varied backgrounds mm -hmm. so she'll kind of pick up a lot along the way right um, okay but uh as she gets older, probably, yeah, we'll take a bit more of a proactive, not no telling her what she can do or can't do, but just try and open your eyes to what your options are and yeah, yeah. make a more informed choice, I would say. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay. So, um, okay, so you sailed through school. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and into, into college. Into music college, yeah. Into music college, okay. Studying? Studying flute and piano yep. um, in Cardiff. I said the, what's now the Royal Welsh College of Music and Drama. And... Mm -hmm. Again, it's a bit, a bit different. We've had um, friends who'd like laugh about, you know, students being always on holiday, but actually we had really long terms and you had like right. three to four hours of private practice a day, plus your ensembles, plus your lectures, what have you. Right. So it was quite a full-on yeah, experience. Yeah. Good fun. But, uh, yeah, musicians practice an awful lot, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At that stage, it's... Yeah, I remember, because I was saying to you before, my mum's a professional musician and, yeah, her stories of how much they practice, it's yeah. like, you know... It's, it's a huge, huge amount of time, isn't it? It's and it's a, a great moment. discipline because it's always something you can improve. You're never happy with what you actually hear back. You know, there's always, oh, I wish I'd done that that bit different. Mm. Or that's, that's not quite as smooth as I'd like it. Or I need to work on that element. So there's always something you can be chipping away at to make it better. So it's, it keeps you kind of interested. But um, yeah, yeah. But it does take to get to the top levels takes a lot of time and and look. Oh, and then also you meant to kind of be down the pub having fun building your networks at the same time. <laughs> so it's kind of a, a balancing act. <laughs> yeah, yeah, full on lifestyle. It is. <laughs> yeah, okay. Do you think that's that musical background has helped you in terms of the way you learn and approach things now? Like you mentioned, you know, it takes a lot of discipline and everything. Yeah. Self-discipline at that's at that quite young age. Yeah. Um, do you think that's helped you? I think self-discipline probably yes. Yeah. And they kind of there's always more you can do to get it right in terms of quality of service. Hopefully we can kind of always be doing mm -hmm. what we kind of always kind of saying, how can we improve that for next time? And how can we kind of, you know, a lot of our business has come through referral, which I'm really grateful for. Mm -hmm. And I hope that's because people are happy, but we're always thinking, okay, how can we not just tick the to-do box, but how can we do it better next time? Or what can we learn from that? And it kind of, I think encourages that kind of mindset to kind of be continually, continually reviewing what you're doing and how we can improve it and offer a better service. Yeah. Okay. And is that a, is that a sort of conscious thing that you sit down and you do every now and again? Yeah, for each yeah. of our clients. You know, it won't be on a, on a story by story basis necessarily, but kind of like where are we at and kind of what went well and what didn't go well and, you know, what can we learn from that and how can we make that mm. a bit better? Okay, okay, yeah. Interesting, yeah, because like you say, when you learn a musical instrument, it is a specific sort of way of doing things, isn't it? Like. Yeah. Like you say, kind of, you, you do it and there's just a little bit wrong and you go back and you try it again. And when you're young, if you've got that self-discipline to do that, which, because I, I learned musical instruments when I was younger, but I was always kind of, you know, having 
to be told to go and do my practice <laughs> 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 yeah. probably not uh not as good as I could have been but um yeah it is like a specific way of learning isn't it and yeah conti- like you say continual improvement I think the one thing it does give you I mean obviously I'd say um, in terms of presentations, like I'm far happier talking to people in front of people than getting getting out my flute to play for people because I'm going to be far more self-critical right. on that front. But it, also <laughs> in terms of the higher level music education, you're always doing master classes. You're always in lessons where it's all, a lot of the time, it's about what's not right with something. And okay. you kind of get used to taking that. Now, I've kind of stood up and I'm showing people videos of master classes before and they'll say, gosh, how can you kind of be ripped apart like that? And you kind of, you're just used to that. That's just what, you do you're looking for the how better and you almost don't hear don't take it as like a personal insult and i guess if you, if you watch something right. like x fact when people get very upset saying oh simon cowell was rude and like well he's just saying what it was yeah <laughs> and it's just there's a slightly different headset there about kind of you're used to taking criticism okay, and using yeah. that constructively yeah yeah so there's kind of an, i think it's maybe it kind of sets you well in terms of the business world that things won't always go your way yeah so okay that didn't work right okay i'm really annoyed about that but how can i now move on from that rather than mm. stewing on it yeah, yeah okay yeah and that's something we don't necessarily get taught in in school like yeah you know outside of music lessons and things in general school I suppose it's it, yeah it, people like you say find it difficult to take that criticism sometimes yeah. and, and I'm probably a bit of a harsh mother in that respect because I mean I know <laughs> the oldest is only six you know and yeah. <laughs> I've heard because of her homeschooling at the lessons it's all very very positive and you're all doing really well and I'm like yeah but that's not right and she's having to learn that she's at home schooling, really missing her friends. We're all kind of working it out together. And I'm going, and mummy's going, well, that's not right. And that's not right. So how, you know, go back and try it again. And yeah, she's yeah. kind of getting a slightly different approach at home. And I'm sure the school approach is actually probably far better developmentally. So I'll, as soon as she's back at school, the better. But um, Yeah, I don't it's, know. It's, it's an interesting one because I think I take a similar approach, really. Um, you know, if something, if, if they do something... You can't just be like, oh, it's amazing and yeah, everything. Because then when amazing. they go out into the real world, <laughs> not everyone's going to say it's all amazing, are they? Yeah. It's kind of, you don't want to kind of flatten them, yeah. you know, and kind of take away the confidence. It's that balance of kind of building the confidence, but actually tweak that, improve it, make it better. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you can, you can tell them it's great and it's amazing. And if you want to improve it, there's this little one thing, I suppose, yeah. that you can do. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's a good approach. Hopefully. <laughs> we'll find out in 20 years' time. We'll it's like, out. why did you destroy me? Yeah, there's always something, isn't there, with kids? <laughs> my mum, people, you know, hear people like, my mum and dad were too nice to me and yeah. it's ruined me. And others, my mum and dad were too horrible too to me, me and it's <laughs> ruined me. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll ruin them, whatever. <laughs> cool. So, um, okay, so. You get through college, presumably, yep. very well. Did did well. Did well. Um, came out and then did a gap year because I didn't know, well, apart from pursuing music, there was nothing, I didn't know what I wanted to do beyond that. Um, yeah. So I knew I wanted to go and do a postgrad, but obviously needed to then save the money to pay for the postgrad. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so I went off and temped for a year in various office jobs. Yeah. Um, the most exciting of which wasn't even data entry, it was data checking. Oh, wow. So lists and lists for a, a hotel chain of checking that the figures on the screen match the figures on the printout paper, oh, which is endlessly exciting. Um, so I get slightly jealous when I hear about people going off on gap years, what they've done their gap year. And I'm like, yeah, I was data checking. You know, <laughs> <laughs> so that will come. Um, but did that. And actually, but actually, it was really good. I got a couple of really good jobs working actually with recruitment agencies in Birmingham. Yeah. And it was really good because... I had, you know, for always to say, I, I sailed through school academically. I had a tough time at school personally. Right, okay. So I had kind of three, four years, very, not very happy years that kind uh, of okay. knocked on my confidence. Right, And okay. I never really got that completely back in my undergrad years. Right, okay. Um, so, you know, it's a bit of a, sounds a bit mad. But we stood outside the lecture theatre for the first lectures and I was too scared to talk to someone in the queue right, next okay. to me. And then to which the third year to actually go to a party and realise, oh, I can have fun at a party and chat to people and get on with people. Right, so that was slightly okay. odd, looking back. Um, and then I went in this gap year and worked in this recruitment agency, and they were really good, and they kind of really believed in me. And doing these different jobs, I kind of met loads of different people and kind of got used to the fact, this is going to sound very cheesy, that people could like me for being me mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and just learn to be me. Right, OK. Um, so yeah. actually, it was a fantastic year out, you know, before I'm laughing about this data checking job. <laughs> and, you know, the, the downside of me is because you can hide in a practice room for four years if yeah, sure. you've become really shy or what have you, so, and that's fine. And it actually yeah. forced me to get out of, out of myself a bit more and meet other people. Oh, cool. And so then by the time I went and did my postgrad down in London, 
Yeah. Um, I had worked out how to be a student and yeah. get the most out of it <laughs> on every level. Um, and B, I was kind of a lot more confident in myself, so I could, say, go and grab those opportunities a lot more. So that was a... The, the, the year in London was a, was a fantastic year. Okay. Really, really good. That was your gap year? Or no, that, that, was that was my post-grad year. So okay. the gap year was, was good in terms of finding myself and other cliches like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it was... It kind of gave me the stage then to go on another level with postgrad and get the most out of the postgrad and then and then uh, to move okay. on. So that was really good. Uh, and I excellent. look back now in terms of it was during my postgrad we had a business for musicians course and that I kind of got really interested in that, which kind of how I've kind of segued into what I do now. Okay. But it kind of that wouldn't have happened, I think, without having had that gap year. I wouldn't have seen it in the same way or had the confidence to take opportunities in the same way right, that then gave okay. me the platform to do what I do. It's funny, isn't it? So, like, you you know, you do something like that, and like you're saying, data checking, and it all sounds very mundane, but you, you don't know what's going on, do you? Like, you might be learning a different skill. Yeah. Like like you've just said, which has, you know, propelled you forward to yeah. everything. It <laughs> all comes then. in somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Even it's just character forming and knowing that, you know, personal reception on £4.50 an hour is as important as the director out on the golf course on a lot more than that an hour, shall we say, yeah, yeah. to the running of the organisation. So Yeah, oh, cool. Okay, so, um, yeah, you mentioned about this business for musicians okay. course then, which, yeah, sounds interesting. <laughs> and uh, yeah. sounds Is that something that was standard, do you think? It sounds to me like it was a possibly like a specialist sort of class that might not be offered everywhere? Um, it's, they're increasingly being, or I mean, I'll say increasingly, it's 20 years ago now, Flip. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, um, it was fairly new at that point, kind of about employability. And yeah. it used to be, I think, you, know, you went through music college and you either became a teacher or you became a performer. Mm-hmm. And if you became a performer, you got a job with an orchestra and you were, that was what you did. And mm-hmm. if you were a teacher, you, you taught. Mm-hmm. And it, there was all, that, that shift was already happening towards it wasn't a job for life anymore and you've got to kind of, You've got to be a teacher, you've got to be a bit of a soloist, a bit of an ensemble player, a bit of an orchestral freelancer, and you've got mm-hmm. to manage your own career. So they were trying to get people to kind of think a bit more about even like how they price the gigs they do and right, how they yeah. promote themselves to get the gigs in the first place and all that kind of stuff, and to build the networks and to play the, you know, the, for, the for the freelance world, how you kind of develop your freelance career. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I just, I just found that kind of... I just, at that point, I, to be fair honest, I was in my... Postgrad year, it was a very academic course as well as the performance side, and I knew I didn't want to be an academic. Mm-hmm. So, okay. I'd, and I had enough of being skinned, and I wanted to go out and start having fun <laughs> and what have you. So, I was like, you know, that kind of offered me a, a different. Again, it was just a, someone shining a different light on what the future could hold and the potential that was there. So, I got really inter- interested in that, and as part of that, I then got in touch with the London Philharmonic Orchestra, who had a student scheme um, for right. student marketing reps. Okay, right. Um, voluntary job, but you know get involved in orchestra and get free tickets and yeah. <laughs> you know, promote them with your friends. That was all good. And so that gave me a, a kind of a footway into it. Um, and I enjoyed doing it. So by the time I came to the end of the course, I stayed in London. I got a job. I did some temping work at the Barbican in the events department, mm-hmm. which taught me that I never want to work in events. <laughs> um, <laughs> what is that? Uh, it's just the, the, the crazy long hours. They were owed, they were owed right. so much time off in lieu that was, you could see they could just never take. And yeah, yeah. Just the constantly shifting of it. I was like, it's good, but it's not for me. I'm, it's not what I want to do. Right, yeah. Um, <laughs> I worked at the Associated Board of the Royal Schools of Music in their quality assurance department, so handling the complaints about people who failed their exams. <laughs> <laughs> Which, to be fair, you, you did need some specialist knowledge for to kind of have some idea about how to start writing the responses as to where things may have gone wrong in the exams and what have you. Right, OK, um, yeah. But I knew after three months of that, that was quite sufficient, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and literally at that point, my other half, of it, who is now my husband, but was my, my boyfriend at the time, who yeah. was moving back up to the Midlands for a job, for mm. a, fa- um, a job in a family firm, and I was like, I can't say, don't take that. Yeah, sure. Um... And then the job came up at the City Birmingham Symphony Orchestra, doing press and marketing as an entry-level job. And I was like, well, great, that's a, a really good stepping stone. I keep the music, I go up to the Midlands, and I can see how I get on with this marketing and comm side of things. Yeah, perfect. And so, yeah, as luck would have it, I got the job and moved back up. OK. So. OK, so that got you into the sort of marketing world. Yep. And then, um, OK... So that was, uh, where are we kind of time? Gosh, that's probably about 2002, 2004, something like that. Okay, okay. So you've got another, because you set up Encore in 2009. Yeah, so from CBSO, fantastic organisation. 
Um, some of the most educated, knowledgeable people I've ever worked with yeah. in that organisation. Right. Unfortunately, it's in the arts, so it doesn't pay a huge amount to soon, soon come to realise. <laughs> um, but they had loads of training opportunities, loads of chance right. to kind of go off and get our CIM qualifications, the Charleston Institute of Marketing, and uh, okay. do proper hands-on work across the marketing spectrum and the PR and comm spectrum. And mm-hmm. there's, there were teams in development and education as well, so all this other stuff going on, as well as the concert management side of it. Uh, so I got to learn a lot about um, marketing and print and t- the tactical side of it there. And then being brutal, it came to a point where it was like, well, there's nowhere to go and there's no pay rises to get. Right, OK. okay. And on 12 grand a year, ultimately, you kind of think, I need to move on and do something else. Yeah, yeah, sure. So um, I got a job with um, an agency called Armadillo PR, who were in Birmingham and Nottingham. OK. Um, and they were much more of a corporate PR setup. It wasn't an arts thing at all. Mm-hmm. But that gave me some really, really good agency experience as well. And also I found out that I loved and still do with the clients, kind of finding out about the different clients and how their how their industry works and what's important mm. to them and what makes them tick and yeah, trying to yeah. kind of find out, you know, just it, it feeds my nosiness yeah, yeah, on a no. daily basis, <laughs> which is great. So um, I kind of really enjoyed that. And, I, and again, I went in, it was a small agency that I joined and they, apart from the two directors... There was nobody above me, so in the Birmingham right. office. So I could always, there was always progression. I was always learning. Okay. Um, so I got exposed to probably, I got exposed to a lot of experiences quite early that you probably wouldn't normally in a bigger company. So right. I got to see more yeah. of the commercial side of how it operates and went up the through ranks quite quickly there. So yeah. that set me in good stead ultimately. It was a... Oh, cool. A good, good move. A good move. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean about um, seeing how businesses work and that sort of thing and understanding what they do like I think that's one of the big things I've loved about you know doing what I do now compared to what I used to do yeah. it's like actually yeah going in and seeing and I probably asked too many questions for a, a photographer but no. <laughs> kind of, it helps you frame the picture exactly right exactly so you get the, yeah I do like to find out as much as I can but um yeah partly out of interest just just because it's fascinating isn't it yeah. seeing how people run different businesses and um and also what goes on in businesses because like you know you spend the whole day in a like a barber shop or something like that, which you've never done before, and yeah. seeing the kind of politics and what goes <laughs> on, and it's like it's hilarious sometimes. There's not much bit to think being actually in another business's premises because you just pick up so much more than you ever would from someone telling you, know, even from like small like mean comms telling you what's happening or trying to position them in some particular way strategically. Mm. When you actually go in there, you'll pick up so much more. Yeah, yeah. Just from background chatter and yeah. the atmosphere and kind of what's <laughs> on the walls tells its own story and stuff. It's uh, yeah, yeah. So did you realise that was kind of happening and that was something that you enjoyed at the time uh, at Armadillo? Mm. Or was that kind of afterwards? Yeah. In no, I think I did when I was there. I First of all, just getting up and going out and seeing people. Mm. I never thought, I've ne- I would never put myself as a people person, say, given the background and the kind of having become really quite socially shy and anxious. Yeah. I found that really hard and actually I right. found I really enjoyed that and speaking to people and finding out how what made them tick and what have you and they would spark ideas for for me as well so um I think I was aware of enjoying that at Armadillo but then again as you move up the ranks from executive doing more of the tactical day-to-day stuff to up to through management and into account directorship mm. your job is to know your client your job is mm-hmm. to know what's important to them and how you can help them achieve their goals and that's mm-hmm. you know it's not about have I got a piece of coverage in the paper this week it's about what are they trying to achieve and which, what's the politics in their organisation and who do they need to make themselves look good to and how can we strengthen that relationship by helping them deliver what they need to deliver right. and what's going on in their world? Do I know that's the most important thing over there or is that the most important thing over there? Where do I put the attention and stuff? So yeah, yeah. That's yeah. kind of... I did enjoy that as we kind of... It's just more to think about and yeah. to play a bit smarter with it. Yeah, yeah, OK. And do you think... Um like having struggled with that when you were younger sort of you know like you're saying being shy and everything like that Mm. do you think that makes you more conscious what am I trying to say more able to sort of consciously build on that as you get older and you know realize that that wow I'm actually enjoying this thing that I used to find difficult yeah I think so I mean, it's, it's still there. I mean, I'll still, for example, like the classic example is you go to a networking do and I have still been known to drive to a networking do yeah. and sit outside and I have driven off. Yeah. I've not <laughs> gone in. I've had to go have a jolly good talking to you to get inside there. And, right, yeah, and yeah. it's always absolutely great. Like, I always come out buzzing. Yeah, yeah. So that little, that little bit is still there. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I always come back buzzing and I, I'm quite lucky. I'm kind of, 
you, you get all these kind of personality tests, you know, introvert, extrovert, and I also need to come out actually somewhere in the middle. It depends right, what day you okay. catch me on. Yeah, on yeah. It. And it works for being self-motivated. I can sit in a room and do stuff. But actually, the real excitement and fun comes when I have been out and come back and I've got ideas. You've got input, haven't you? Mm -hmm. And it's awesome. You've got ideas flying around your head and you're buzzing with whether it's relevant to work or to a client or something else. It's just that input. Yeah, that, yeah. You know, and that's what I enjoy is getting those ideas and being, being inspired about stuff. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. interesting. Yeah, I heard someone on a podcast the other day some, say something like they were an extroverted introvert or something yeah. like that. Because <laughs> um, I've always sort of been led to believe that it's defined by, like, where you get your energy. So, yeah. like, an introvert needs a bit of quiet time in the office on their own to re-energise, whereas yeah. extroverts need to be around people to energise. And in that respect, I'd say I'm an introvert, mm -hmm. definitely. But I totally understand what you mean as well by you know when you get out and you're with some people it, it's really good but you come back and you're just happy to have that time maybe that's it maybe you come back to process it mm. whereas other people can probably process it while they're out yeah in that yeah, setting yeah. and kind of bounce off you know while they're out there kind of we need the time to just come back and process and just have our on time to yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. to work out what you know what, what we make of it all but yeah yeah that's yeah it. and i think when i realized that because it sort of made me realise it's okay to say you're, you're an introvert because sometimes people business. sort of... You can't of, say that in business. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I know, it's funny, isn't it? Because, yeah, it has a kind of, yeah, like negative connotations. But actually, if it's just in terms of where you get your energy from, then yeah. suddenly it's okay, isn't it? Because yeah. it means you can still go out and do all the, the other stuff. But, um, yeah, I mean, I'll happily... I could happily sit here in the studio for you know, like a week on my own pretty yeah. much and, and get on with, you know, editing things and, and that sort of thing and, and be fine. But some people just... But after that, can... do you get touchy? Uh, I think that, yeah, I think there probably does come a point where I do need to go out and <laughs> see the world a bit. <laughs> but, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how long I could do it for. No, you're probably right. It probably is, yeah, a couple of days or something and then you're like... Yeah, probably do a thing some people now. Yeah. <laughs> I was when I first set up Encore and was working from, I was actually formally working from home. Yeah. I used to kind of put two things in the diary. I had to have two things in the diary each week to go out, okay. to get right. out, to go and see yeah. people, whether it's clients or whether it was a networking event or whether it was even just going to the gym or what have you. Okay, yeah. Just something to, so you're not too much on your own and then don't spiral down too much. That's a, that's a good idea, actually. Yeah. So, that's yeah, like, I, like that. I have today where I'm just, focused but tomorrow I'm yeah. going out so that's, that's yeah good. yeah yeah okay are you good at are you good at sorry we'll get on to the journey again right. <laughs> are you good at sort of focusing when you get in you know and you're you're, you're working on your own pretty much quiet? are you like I can if it's a not if it's open-ended time if it's okay. open-ended time I will faff what do you mean by that as in even like if it's like Again, if I've got nothing in the diary, say, so if say I'm working Monday to Friday and mm. if, I, if I haven't got anything in the diary, say, for three days in a row, mm -hmm. I'll probably faff a bit, quite a bit on Monday. Right. Okay. Truth be told. <laughs> um, and then get annoyed with myself because then it's all... Of, I, I, I am quite good with a gun at my head. So if it's like I've got a day, well, I'm in the office today and I've got to do bing, bing, bing and bing, yeah. I will fly. I'll get an absolute okay. load done. Yeah, yeah. But if it goes more than two days like that, <laughs> then I'm probably going to start faffing, truth be told, yeah. Uh, okay, okay, yeah, I see what you mean. It's a balance, it's all a balance. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so um, at one point then, I guess you're, you're working for Armadillo and you think, I'm going to go and do this on my own. Sort of. Um, <laughs> I'd been flirting with it. I always knew, I'd probably, by the time I'd got to account director, I knew that I probably would want to do my own agency yeah. at some point. Okay. Um, what, what, what do you think, you know, where did that come from? Why did you think like that? Again, I think it's because I was lucky that I had, in that agency, we had, a, you know, you, were, you had access to the directors, so you were always learning. You could, I could learn about a business. I could learn about running a business. Okay. Um, these things that I had no idea even existed, you know, if mm -hmm. I left school at kind of 18. Yeah. Just no idea of kind of what was involved in it or what what you'd need to do it. And I hadn't seen I didn't know anybody who owned a business. I didn't know anybody right. who, you know, would have taught you about that particularly. Um and so it opened my eyes and then you kind of be, then you see it and you believe it. You kind of begin mm -hmm. to be able to see yourself there. It's that whole diversity debate you get about if you, you can you can be what you see. Mm -hmm. And you begin to be able to kind of visualise yourself in that role and yeah, think about what, yeah. what, what what would I do and how would I do it differently. 
And I had a really good opportunity while I was at Armadillo. I went on secondment to one of our clients for three months, which oh, was right. one of these big law firms. It wasn't like a magic circle, but just below the magic circle gold, for, um, gold firms, law firms. <laughs> um, and they had offices in Leeds and Manchester and London. And again, this might be kind of a, might be my perspective. It might be a slight bit of comms being still relatively young profession as a profession. Mm-hmm. Um, it really opened my eyes going up to the law firm. A, I could show that I could mix it with people, with, with the corporates and I could kind of hold my own and do right, well. And people yeah. thought I was doing a good job and I got really nice feedback. Yeah. So, okay, so your confidence goes up, right? Yeah. Okay, I can do this. And B, it was also seeing how the law firm worked and seeing that going from being a fee earner in an agency where I wasn't even really conscious I was a fee earner, I was just doing my job, mm-hmm. to going to an agency, going to a law firm where you're now an expense, your support, your support team. Right, okay. And the lawyers are the fee earners. Okay, yeah. And just picking up on the cultural differences of how things were done and even down to the fact that realising that actually we were a, you know, Armadillo was a PR agency. Mm. Well, I mean, we talk about legal firms, but actually they were just a legal agency. Right, with okay. specialists, effectively, who yeah. billed their time, who consorted, looked after their clients. Yeah. We did, like, some... I was kind of lucky they kind of took me into their kind of key account management training and stuff, so I kind of learned about that side of things. I was like, it is basically, it's the same thing. It's effectively the same <laughs> business model, but they're a professional firm who everyone will take seriously because they are lawyers. Yeah. And you're just kind of a PR agency and you don't really know, you know... Right, That's a kind okay, of, like, slight yeah, yeah, yeah. lack of confidence in the industry as a whole and the industry's right to be there at the table and it occurred to me things like you know there's no way that law firm was never going to was not going to wasn't going to build you for their seven and a half minutes right okay. you know whereas we tie ourselves in not so like well, i haven't built you for today's work but actually it's the client relationship and you know <laughs> and it's that whole put, putting a value on the expertise you know no matter what what area you are in you have expertise and people yeah. are paying for your expertise yeah so it kind of changed my mindset quite a lot i kind of came back with a much more commercial um mindset you know I was just doing a job that I was paid for. Actually, how does this work and what's the value of it and what value yeah. are we adding and how do we sell that? And Interesting. So I came back with a lot more kind of ideas. And I, I, so I, I might have gone at that point and I got comfortable back in my job, so I <laughs> stayed where I was. Um, but actually then what happened was the uh, recession kicked in. So 2008, okay. 2009 recession. Yeah. And Armadillo had a lot of property and professional services clients. Mm-hmm. And the, adverti- the advertising, the marketing budgets just got turned off overnight. Right, okay. They lost a lot of clients, and the two directors were going through a business divorce at the same time, which was slightly awkward. Right, okay. And it just, <laughs> it, you know, the, the one office closed, and ours kept going, and then a couple of, a couple of months later, a, a big client that was worth a lot of the, of the budget kind of just turned tap off overnight. So we were often, oh, okay, we're, we're gone. And I was, just, I was just lucky that I'd got up to a point where my bosses said to me, speak to your clients. Right. See if I go and set up with you. Okay. And I did, and two of them came. Cool. And we've just went, and we just rolled from there. So I was very right. lucky because my you know, other colleagues were out of work for over a year. Okay. Okay. People who were very smart, really good, savvy, junior people just couldn't get jobs and were working at BHS and what have you. So mm. I was very lucky, and I touch wood. <laughs> <laughs> it gave me a good start. Okay. So yeah. So you were in that. You were in a position, and your your the company kind of fell apart basically and you were encouraged to speak to the clients and and set up on your own mm-hmm. as quickly as possible basically <laughs> yeah. Suppose, yeah yeah it was um it was an insult it was a liquidation so doesn't your your redundancy pay goes yeah yeah you know, right. and so lesson to anyone else setting up don't invoice until after your basic what you're um legally required to comes through because otherwise you lose your legal requirement <laughs> Right. So okay. if you know, anyone finds yourself in that situation, just just delay invoicing until you've had your payment through that you should have had. Right. <laughs> Lessons from life. Um, okay, that was when you had to learn the hard way. Wasn't yeah, it? pretty much. <laughs> okay. But I mean, I, I basically I took, you know, we were, we were out. We we were out the next day. Right. Wow. Um. So okay. we, I took two days just to hide under the duvet covers. Yeah. And just kind of get it out my system. And yeah. and, then, and then literally, I mean, I laugh having kids now with star charts, but I literally on the, the Monday, I was like, right, okay, I'm going to I'll phone them on Monday and speak to the, the clients on mm-hmm. the ones that, that were my clients that I was the lead on. Yeah. Um, I literally had a star chart with things like got out of bed. Really? Phoned client A, arranged meeting, just to kind of just try and build that kind of, get a sense of momentum going. I bought the bookcase, set up as a bookcase for my home office and what have you, just really silly things just to try and keep a focus on positive steps to get up and running oh wow okay. and so the first first clients came on board that was all good the second one came on board that was good and it was the third one that would make it viable 
and I couldn't see them for about a week mm-hmm. afterwards. So I kind of I had a very nice lunch with them in over in Droitwich, actually, because the marketing manager was based over that way. Um, although it's like an international company, that was just pure fluke of where they were. Yeah. Um, and he was like, yeah, great, we'll carry on, come with you and just we'll keep the contract as was and just invoice us and... And that was it. That was that was that kind of that woohoo moment. We're, oh. we're running. We're <laughs> off. We have something, and we can yeah. have income because it's it's the one thing I'm probably most proud of with the business from a personal level is it's not a hobby business. Mm-hmm. It's you know, a lot of people have a vision of kind of PR and comms people. They're kind of it's all very fluffy and it's a hobby job for someone who's got a nice rich husband <laughs> and what have you. And it's like no, this has had to wash its face from day one. It's had to pay yeah. the mortgage from day one. Yeah, right. You know, it's had to make enough profit. There wasn't any money to live off for 12 months until it did it. So, and so far we have. So yeah, that was a much relief all round. But uh, yeah, yeah. Given what was, you know, because the economy at that point was really not in a good place and PR and comm jobs were not 10 a penny at that point. Yeah, so yeah, who knows sure. what, what it would have been if that hadn't gone up and running. But. but there are companies in that situation that know that the right thing to do is to get on top of all that stuff I suppose yeah. PR and comms and marketing and everything yeah because they'll be in a good position when things pick up to come out the other side and that people sounds... still know they're there you know and yeah have you. so you're on the right side of that really had the right the right clients yeah obviously you'd done a good job you know if they were your clients in the old firm you'd obviously done a good enough job so that they were, they happy. were happy to <laughs> carry on with you which yeah. you know is a, is a pretty big thing in itself isn't it which is quite nice actually because the first one I spoke to who said yeah great we'll come with you brilliant thank you guys um they'd literally I know they'd had they'd seen the story in the pay in the press about the about Armadillo having gone under yeah. and they'd had two people on the phone away that morning trying to pick up the business right from okay. them. The, well. the, the, the competitors were out there straight yeah. away so that kind of Focus my mind somewhat. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, kudos to you for... <laughs> no, thanks to them. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Okay. I just want to pick up on what you said about the star chart, because I'm interested in that. About that, the... The star chart. Yes. <laughs> Tell, talk us through that a bit more, then. It was literally just a spreadsheet. Okay. Um, and every time I did something constructive towards getting the business up and running... Yeah. I would put it on there and stick a star okay. on it. Okay. And it was pure, just because, you know, you, you know, you're always going to have ups and downs. Yeah. You're going to have moments you think, oh, my God, this is terrible and it's not going to go anywhere and I don't know what I'm doing and what have you. Yeah. And I would just do that. I would just kind of put a star on Even for the most basic thing, like, you know, if you're having like, a run of bad days, yeah. I would just put something silly on as you got out of bed and you got on with it. Right, OK. You know, yeah, just yeah. to kind of focus on the positives and kind of try and build some momentum and some confidence to, to drive it forward. Oh, cool. And I've done that once more. I did it one other time in the business when, probably about four years afterwards, mm. One of the main clients went, they'd had a change of ownership and they shipped everything out over to the United States. Yeah. And they told me the day before we were due to go on holiday, <laughs> which was kind of joyous. Um, I kind of, on the one hand, you appreciate them kind of telling you, on the other hand, it's yeah. like, this was not the time. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And again, I did a similar thing with that. It's just like, just, you know, it's like putting, I had an old flute teacher who used to talk about kind of, you have a tough piece of music. And he'd, you'd split it down into kind of like, you'd put fence posts in. Okay. And you'd yeah, practice yeah. the bits to get from one fence post to the next. Mm-hmm. And then hang on to that fence post. And then you get to, to, to the next bit you've you identified. And it's kind of extension, the same idea. It's like, okay, things are going to be rocky. So I'm going to put a fence post in here. Yeah. Fence post in there. And just concentrate on the one step at a time and let that take me where I need to go rather than thinking, oh my God, this is too big. I can't deal with this. Yeah, you okay. Know. So the idea of breaking it down. Yeah. yeah. That's something we'll... Well, I certainly struggle with as well. It's yeah. like Overwhelm. the whole picture just looks massive. But yeah, if you break it down and... And distract yourself with like, I'm just going to do this bit. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. I'm just going to do that bit. And it can be like literally something as stupid as I got out of bed. Yeah. yeah but that yeah. is stage one. Well done. Tick. Off you go. Build your confidence. <laughs> yeah. Off you go and do the next bit. You know? Right. Okay. So, so yeah, there we go. The musical background and, and training coming in. Yeah, in a way. Yeah, yeah no, that's a really cool way of, of, of looking at it. I've done something similar where I've kind of... I haven't broken it down in steps, but just when I'm sometimes quite hard on myself and I'll get to the end of the day and I've, you know, I've done like loads what of stuff and I'll be like, what have I done? Done nothing. I'll go home and I'll be like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I haven't done much. So at one point I started just writing down what I'd done at the end of the day and you look at it and go, oh yeah, yeah, I've done some stuff. It's <laughs> the, the psychological power of listing and just yeah. going, yeah. I, and you know, even if it's just it's something stupid, you know, yeah, yeah. It's still something you have done, you know, just kind of yeah. just builds that, it stops you getting down. Yeah. yeah, yeah, amazing. Yeah, I had um Dave Morris on 
here a few episodes ago and mm -hmm. he was talking about the power of journaling and um, how that was like his number one thing for, for leaders to improve was to to start journaling. I suppose in a way yeah. it's, a, it's a similar idea, isn't it? Similar, but yeah. <laughs> I like the motivational thing of breaking down the steps and uh, I mean when I changed, you know, when I left my job to do this, um, I saw something, you know, one of those one of those quotes about, you know, you don't have to see the whole staircase, but just the first step kind of thing. Yeah. And uh, yeah, when you start to realise that, if that's something you've struggled with, I suppose mm -hmm. some people have never struggled with it, maybe. Yeah. But um, for me, it certainly was something thinking I had to see the whole route ahead of me to be able to take the first step. But and it's not the whole time, no. You know, so some people need to do it kind of, that's kind of part of the structure of their day-to-day -day yeah, life. Yeah. For me, that's something that I kind of tend to come back to when... If I'm yeah. panicking about something or something's just suddenly gone boom, it's like, right, how do I get my yeah. equilibrium back? How do I find something to hang on to? And that's kind yeah. of... And you're talking about the kind of the step-by-step -step thing. There's another thing, again, from going back to music college days where we did um, had Alexander Technique lessons. Oh, yeah. Um, and the whole thing there was about undoing, not doing. And you buy into that or not, as you will. That's, you know, your, your own choice. Yeah. But one thing they talked about, something called end-gaining okay. and inhibition. Right, okay. Um, and end-gaining is where... Again, you're, you're seeing the end. You're not seeing the steps you've got to get there. Uh -huh. okay. And so you fall back into all your old habits because you're just you're focused so much on the end. Right. And they, the okay. analogy they use is if you're trying to walk down the stairs, mm -hmm. if you try and walk down the stairs from top to bottom, you're going to fall over, you're going to become a cropper. <laughs> if you take it one step at a time, you'll end up at the bottom. Okay. But yeah. when you end gain, so you focus yeah. too much on the end, then you fall back into all your habits so from Alexander's technique point of view you'll kind of get too tense your neck you'll tense up your jaw will tense up all these other things will kind of these physiological things will happen right, that you've okay. trained into yourself and you can't undo them undo them by looking from beginning to end you've got to undo them by looking one step okay, at a time it gives you the space right, yeah. to just yeah to change what you are doing you'll still get to the same place but you're not freaking yourself out in the process okay basically. okay right so yeah, it sounds okay. like the all that musical training and everything has played an even bigger part. It than, came into uh, something, yeah. Than realized <laughs> at the beginning. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that's that's really cool. I'm gonna definitely take that on board and uh, try and look at the individual steps a bit more. Because, uh, but yeah, I know what you mean. It's not like it's something you have to do all the time, but it's one of the tools, isn't it? Yeah. That, that you have in your toolkit, and you know, like right when I'm, yeah, when when I'm struggling with something, take that one out and uh, mm -hmm. and, and do my star chart or whatever it is. That, uh, gets you through yeah cool i'm sure that's pretty useful for other people listening as well <laughs> <laughs> okay so you had you you had your three clients to get you going yeah what happens from there then because now you've got loads of clients <laughs> uh -huh. oh just we got up i mean i laughed i said you know, when, when we were talking earlier um when this all happened i was getting married four months later so my literally my first thing was oh. get up get running get an invoice out get paid through <laughs> to getting married and then deal with it the other side and work it out Wow. <laughs> um, so that was basically it. So that all happened, got up, got running, got invoicing, got paid, got married. <laughs> and then the next bit was we were going on honeymoon six months later. So it was like, okay. get through to that point then. And so that was just kind of, so I was literally just, just doing what I'd always done. Mm -hmm. And then the bit I, that was different then was start, starting to go out networking mm -hmm. um, to meet a kind of a different range of people. Um, and again, that's probably something that I hadn't done I found quite different doing owning the business rather than going networking on behalf of a business. Okay. In that I could have conversations at a completely different level right, with people okay. than I would have done as an account director of an okay. agency. Because at that point, I had no idea about running my own, I hadn't run my own business. I hadn't, yeah. you know, I didn't know what was involved. I didn't know what the pressures were on people. And, you know, the nature of most of our clients are SMEs. Mm -hmm. um, and you've, in order to kind of work, it's that element of how do you work well with somebody? You need to understand actually what's going on in their life and when to push because you need something for your for what you've been contracted to do and mm -hmm. when to back off and give them some space and actually, you know, because they've got bigger fish to fry right now than me doing this particular story. And right, part of the okay. relationship management is that. And I, I wouldn't have got that so much from an account director perspective as I do from a business owner perspective. Okay, I see what you mean. Yeah. And also I, think I found people had were more open to conversations on a business owner level than as an account director level. I think you've seen much more of sales okay, yeah. on that point. <laughs> and you're still our sales as a business owner, but there's a, a different conversation you can have beyond, hey, do you want to buy my product, you know? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So that was quite an interesting process, kind of getting used to networking on that level. Um, 
And then we literally just we've just been up and running, and we've most of our work has come through referrals. We've done a few bits right. through tender, um, so learning the tender process and then which ones to look at and laugh and say no way, and which ones to say yeah, that's probably worth our time <laughs> pitching for. You know, we've got a good chance yeah. on that one. Um, yeah. And are you are you when with referrals and things? Is that are you intentional about how you you know work that you know? process or is it just they just happen though? not as intentional <laughs> as we should be yeah, okay. <laughs> you know, as a marketing company really have a, have a, have a methodology, uh, methodology for how you do you, you use your networks and be intentional about it in practice we haven't right okay but you just haven't needed to we haven't needed to so far yeah. um but you know it's one thing you know, as the business grows and we have more people on board and i try to pull out from doing all the you know as much of the day-to-day delivery as i still do to some extent mm. trying to get those things more systemized and running yeah. Is on the is on the to do list. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The long to do list. Yeah, but again, it's that it's that cheesy thing, like you said about oh, this is our website and the website is okay at the moment. It's not too bad, but it always needs updating. I'm always a little bit a little bit, little bit loath to kind of direct people there because I'm like, well, this we we do this and we do it for other people, <laughs> but we don't have time to do our own. So it's yeah, the shoemaker's yeah. children have no shoes. It's uh, yeah, well, yeah. I've got a I've got a backlog of about eighteen months of family photos to edit. They'll <laughs> <laughs> be eighteen that. by the time you do them. Yeah. I know, yeah. Yeah, it's terrible and uh, yeah I should really uh, get on with that but yeah I know <laughs> so I know what you mean it's uh, okay so who, who do you work with now then as a, a whole range of whole range companies. of companies uh, we've got PLC listed companies we've got micro businesses mm-hmm. everything from engineering which covers everything from nuclear to med tech to aerospace to automotive uh, mm-hmm. to um, green tech mm-hmm. big air, growing area um, technology companies um, right, yeah we have app developers, uh-huh. um, and then on the other side, on the the B two C side, um, everything from from jewelers and music and, and musicians. There's still a link in right, there yeah. to um, literally kind of a home cycling app, right. which is you know, which is, that one's launched fairly recently and is basically looking to take on Peloton. Oh wow! So okay. that's a completely different world. Um, but that taps into my sport background and interest. So that's you know, uh, okay, yeah, I'm yeah. kind of quite excited by that as well. And it's it for me, I like having that variety kind of. You can be a real specialist in certain areas, but mm. what we're specialists in is comms mm. and communications and understanding audiences and find developing messages that resonate with those audiences. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily that sector, and what we enjoy is actually finding out about a new sector. Oh, great! So yeah. you and Shine, right? Let's go and find out about that and immerse ourselves in it and yeah, yeah, you know, learn about it. Okay, cool, cool. And um, oh, I had another question on my mind then, and now it's just, <laughs> <that's> <laughs> just, just floated it. off. <laughs> Uh, um, yeah, so you've got a team. You've got a team of five yep. five people that work with you uh, on everything. And so, so in terms of the service that you you offer, we'll just quickly go over. You know, you've you've mentioned broadly speaking what it is. But if if someone, so if I if I meet someone and they say I need such and such, what makes me think oh, you need to speak to Liz? Okay, <laughs> so it's we try to cover most things that you know would use as part of marketing communications as opposed to sales and marketing. So okay. it's websites, design, um, organic SEO, so content SEO, not paid side of it. Okay. Um, social media management, media relations, internal communications, award mm-hmm. entries, crisis communications management. Um, and ironically enough, you know, a lot, a lot of crisis communications management kept us going in the early days when other companies were going under. We were busy doing all the, the media comms around them going under, which right, is, okay. well. you know, it's the flip side of a <laughs> strange one, yeah, yeah, of the yeah. business. But so, yeah. so it's, it's anything that basically about, that's about communicating and positioning your company. So it's not necessarily yes, we do do a new story, for example, about old new store opening or what have you. Mm-hmm. But it's more about trying to really understand what your company is where you sit in your marketplace, who your stakeholders are, what's important to those stakeholders and making sure you're communicating in the most effective way with those stakeholders, whether it's customers or suppliers or local politicians or you need local people on side for a housing development and yeah, then yeah. picking the right tools okay. to achieve those aims. Okay, and knowing the right people, I suppose, to, to speak to and channels to put the yeah. put those communications out. Yeah. Yeah, okay. It's, it's, it's a bit like a paint box analogy. You know, it's like these are the different paints and these are the different paint brushes we've got. Yeah. And it's picking the right ones to make the picture that you want. <laughs> so, okay, okay. So. Excellent. And, you, and yeah, obviously, as we said at the beginning, you're working nationally, really, with, yeah. you know, national brands and companies and everything. And that's, I guess, that's grown sort of. 
over time, has it? It, it has, yeah. It, I mean, sort of... We had a really good aerospace company, one of the, ones, the first ones that came with us. Mm. Um, and then we actually left them, but somebody who we'd worked with there brought us into another aerospace company, and from there that spun uh, okay. us out into a broader engineering scope. Right. Okay. So it's kind of it's kind of it's evolved more than anything. I wouldn't say we had a vision for the business on day one, and this was our market we were going after. It's been yeah. where the market's been, and picking up things where we can, and and riding that wave probably. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And uh, we're at the start of twenty. You know, a new year. Are you, have you, do you? Are you sort of someone to sit down and do some planning for the year and work out where you want to be? Yep. By the end of the year. Yeah. That's okay. what I very much do want to do this year. Is kind of. Uh, formalise that a bit more I think you know the last nine months have thrown everything a bit in the air and kind of from initial just yeah. spin and get on with <laughs> it and see where we're at yeah. but I do want to kind of I've got, had a day booked out which has been cancelled now three times for myself just to go off mm-hmm. somewhere and just sit in a room for a day away from the normal office away from the normal distractions yeah turn the turn the phone off the you know, team will be covering it, that's fine and just yeah. do some actual planning mm. on that and yeah. see, where, see where things are going <laughs> Nice, cool. Well, we've actually uh, been talking for quite a while now. <laughs> I didn't realise it. <laughs> it felt like quite a short time. Feel free it's to been... edit, cut. <laughs> no, no, it's been really, really interesting. And uh, thank you very much for uh, coming in. So, as you said at the beginning, people can find you at your website, which needs a bit of updating. But yes. <laughs> it's probably a good place to start, which is encore-communications.co.uk. Um, you're pretty active on LinkedIn, yeah. I think. Okay. So I can find you on there, Elizabeth Loadler yeah. on LinkedIn. Yeah. Um, but they can call you Liz when they write to you. Indeed, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you're pretty good on Twitter, I think, as well. Yeah, spend too much time on Twitter. Yeah. Okay, so... Use resolution, uh, less time on Twitter, get less annoyed. <laughs> <laughs> so Encore Comms UK on, on Twitter. Yeah. Um, yeah, those are the best places. Cool. Well, no, thank you very much for uh, coming in. It's been very interesting and thank I've definitely <laughs> got some uh, some things to think about now, I think, and I'm going to think about my steps. So thank you. Appreciate it. Hope it's useful. <laughs> it was. Take care. Thanks. You've been listening to the Thriving Three Counties podcast with me, Dan Barker. You can find links to all the episodes and show notes over at danbarkerstudios.com forward slash podcast. If you've enjoyed today's show, please head over to iTunes and leave us a review. It helps other people find the show and connect more people in the region. Thank you very much for your time listening. I hope you've enjoyed it and we'll see you next time.